Yo, yo, welcome to another post-game edition of the Forum Club. I'm your host, Jovan Buha, Lakers beat writer for The Athletic. And the Lakers fell 128-111 to to the New Orleans Pelicans on Tuesday night, dropping to 0-3 without LeBron James and Anthony Davis this season. And this is kind of what I've come to expect from this team right now during this stretch. Um, you know, I'm interested to see when Marcus Gasol returns and how he impacts things. I think just having another big body, a good defender, a rim deterrent, um, you know, someone who is a active communicator defensively, that will help. You know, this team has been trotting out lineups where the tallest guy is six seven or six eight, and it's just not going to get it done. Uh, particularly against the, the last couple teams they played, right? You, you had Phoenix with, with DeAndre Ayton, who's a seven footer. Uh, then you, you had New Orleans, where you have you know Stephen Adams, six eleven, seven footer, who's very tough and physical and strong and, and just uses brute force. And then you have Zion, who's you know only six seven, six eight, but is one of the you know biggest and strongest and heaviest players in the league, and is just a you know a human bulldozer. Uh, in transition and in half court situations, so I think even though you know maybe technically size wise or, or height wise, uh, the Lakers weren't completely overmatched in, in this game. They were overmatched in, in terms of a physicality and strength and just you know physical force. We have these these three games that they've had, you know Sacramento, Phoenix, and New Orleans. I think it's clear that the the biggest struggle for this team, to little surprise, is the offensive end. You know, I, I think the defense was not great in this game. Uh, New and New Orleans is a, a a you know solid offensive team, a team that is young and athletic and can get out in transition. And the Lakers saw that tonight. Uh, you know, they, they can get to the rim. They attempted twenty six free throws. Uh, Lakers attempted 30, so you know they, they weren't at a disadvantage there. But 26 free throws is still a, you know a, a lot, and you had Zion taking 10 of those. Um, Jackson Hayes w- was was a bit of a force off the bench with uh, 15 points and, and, and seven free throw attempts. So um, I think for the Lakers, you know th- th- this is a, a tough stretch to be missing LeBron and AD. You know I, I said that uh, last week, right? But, but with the upcoming schedule. It, they're, you know, it's doing them no favors. They got Philly on Thursday, right? And, uh, you know, then, then they got Cleveland on Friday, and then that is a winnable game. But this is going to, I think, be ugly and, until Marcus Gasol and, and most likely Anthony Davis get back. And, and we still don't know, um, you know, Anthony Davis's reevaluation uh, is supposed to be Friday. So we'll have an idea, you know, around sometime Friday of what the latest is with his status. But, you know, I would not be surprised if it's another week or two, or maybe even longer. And if he misses at least two more weeks, and and we you know we know LeBron is going to be out a few weeks after uh, Shams uh, Sharani of the Athletic reported that he you know he's, he's expected to miss several weeks at a minimum. You know, if, if we're looking at two to four weeks with with no LeBron and AD, I, I think the losses are going to pile up. And, and again, I think Mark can help. But Mark isn't going to solve all this, and I think it just comes down to, you know, looking at this roster. I, you know, you add LeBron and AD to it, and it looks really, really good. And there's a lot of depth and versatility. And having a guy like Dennis or, or Trez or Kuz or even Talon 
as the third option on a given night, like that that's fine when you have LeBron and AD, right? And, and I just named four guys. Like one of those four will be the sixth option on a given night. And that sixth option is better than a lot of other teams' sixth option. But when you take away LeBron and AD and now Dennis is the first option or Kuz is the first option or Trez is the first option, you are going to see this level of offense. And the offense wasn't even that much of a problem in this game. I mean, they still put up 111 points. Uh, really, the offense was, you know, the, the worst offensive performance was the Phoenix game because they also hung up, you know, whatever, 120-something against Sacramento, though they are the worst defense in the NBA. I, I just, I still think that second quarter stretch where, you know, they only scored 17 points in the second quarter, um, and I, you know, that was really the the difference in the game when New Orleans kind of blew things open, uh, and then really put it away in the third quarter. I just, I think right now the Lakers are in a really tough spot because they just don't have a high level shot creator right now. Uh, you know, Dennis can attack in the pick and roll, but his pick and roll game is relatively, you know, it's relatively straightforward, right? Like you, you kind of know. He's either getting to the rim or he's pulling up from mid-range. Will occasionally take a, a you know a, that kind of pull-up three if you're going to play off of him, but you, you kind of know what Dennis is doing. And it's one thing again if if LeBron and AD are on the floor and he's the third guy and he's now attacking you from the, the you know the weak side or second side action, and you don't really have you know time to your 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 defense is shifting over and, and rotating after doubling AD in the post or uh, doubling LeBron in a pick and roll. And now he swings it and now Dennis can attack you. Uh, like that is how, you know, De- Dennis is very effective in those situations, but having him just be the, okay, every possession down, you're going to run a pick and roll or every other possession, you're going to run a pick and roll um, or, or ISO or whatever. Like that's, you know, it's just, that's a lot, like that's recipe for a, a lottery team. That's a lottery team offense. And, and, you know, the Lakers are kind of in that, uh, mold right now right and, and you got I mean you're, you're seeing inefficient nights from these guys where you know Dennis 2 for 10 Kuz 6 for 14 uh, Keefe 6 for 14 uh, even Trez you know at 5 for 10 like is it a little bit below his average um, so you know Wes had, had a nice game with four threes and I think it, it seems like recently he's kind of broken out of his season-long shooting slump and, and some of the inconsistencies but offense really is the problem and then having a guy like Talon only play 19 minutes, I think mainly for defense because he was in during some of those rough stretches defensively. Uh, but but him only having five points on two of five shooting, I think that, you know, it's just the Lakers aren't getting, you know, they did have six guys in double figures, but no player had more than 18. And I just think, you know, with the way the game is played right now, it's hard to win. Uh, you know, with, with just not having that elite offensive option, right? And it's through no fault of their own. You know, it's the circumstances LeBron and AD are out and you take the top two players off most teams that they're really going to struggle. But I think this team in particular is a bunch of role players that are supposed to fit around LeBron and AD. And Kyle Kuzma basically said that post game where he said, you know, we have to figure out a new identity without LeBron and AD. Like this team was designed around LeBron and AD we play a certain style around LeBron and AD, and now we got to mix that up. We got to play faster. We we got to get out and transition. We we got to take more threes. Um, and I think kind of the point that Kuz was getting at is like they do have to add in 
a level of variance and, and you know uh they, they have to take care of the ball which they've done 11 turnovers against phoenix 13 turnovers against the pelicans like that is solid and that is gonna keep them in games that that you know maybe they otherwise wouldn't be in uh and they, they took a lot of threes tonight you got to give them credit 18 for 37 shot 48 percent got to the free throw line uh 20 i mean only made 21 of, of 30 attempts you know 70 percent but still 30 attempts is really good uh, it really was the the other, uh, you know, like everything inside the three-point arc uh, that wasn't a free throw was the issue because they shot, I'm looking at it now, um, you know, basically 18 of 48 on, on two-pointers, which I'm going to do some quick math on my computer. 18 of 48 is 37.5%. So shooting 37.5% on two-pointers, you're not going to win many games that way. Uh, especially when you, you have a guy like Brandon Ingram going off for 36, Zion going off for 27. It's interesting. I think the, the Lakers are in a really tough spot. Like I, I do think that there are winnable games. Uh, I think Cleveland's winnable. I think Orlando's winnable. I think Sacramento's winnable. You know, those are the games that they have to win, right? Like th- those are the they have to show up, give 100% effort, be locked in for 48 minutes, and and you know win at least two of those three, right? Like the, you know with just the upcoming schedule, they can't afford to lose two of those three. They have to win at least two of them, if not all three, uh, to to maintain ground in the West because they've now dropped. Uh, you know, it's crazy. Like a couple weeks ago, I mean, a couple a couple weeks ago, a couple days ago, they were the two seed, and uh, you know, we we were talking about them. Uh, you know, they, they were tied with Phoenix, and and then I think had a half game lead on them uh, for a day or two, and we're back in the two seed. And we're only a game and a half back from the Utah Jazz. Now they're four games back from the Jazz, and they've actually dropped to the four seed, uh, tied with the Clippers at twenty-eight and sixteen. And the Clippers have the the tiebreaker because they they won uh, on opening night. So and now looking at it, like Denver at number five, only a game and a half back. Portland at number six, two and a half games back. San Antonio at number seven, four games back. So the, there's a little bit of a cushion there. Uh, it does look like if the Lakers skid they'll probably slide to six and and that i'm gonna guess is is probably their floor but you never know they could lose another three or four games in a row and at which point that is putting them in that seven eight range depending on how teams like the spurs and and mavericks and and warriors do so they're not out of the woods yet and i think they got to get marcus soul back uh it would be great if he could play in that philly matchup on thursday but all indications are he's probably not going to play. You know, there's no Embiid, but I still think he's going to help against Tobias Harris, Ben Simmons, Dwight Howard. So I don't know. I know I'm kind of going off on a tangent here, but I'm just giving you my my stream of thoughts on what's going on. Big picture, as I wrote earlier in the week, like all that matters is if LeBron and AD are healthy. I think seeding, the Lakers can kind of kiss that goodbye. That They're probably going to be a four to six seed. Uh, based on just the circumstances of the season. And that's fine because I, I still think as long as you have LeBron and AD healthy, you have the two best players in most series, if not every series, potentially, depending on the, the level AD gets to once he returns. So I, I still like, you know, I'm still very bullish on the Lakers long term, but in the short term, they are going to take some lumps. They are going to have some ugly losses. They are going to have some blowout losses and I think it's going to be more common than not just with the 
offensive talent that they have available to them right now and, and the lack of size, right? Like this is where uh, not having the Dwight Howard, JaVale McGee type does hurt you, right? And I've been kind of vocal against that, saying that they don't necessarily need that, that they're fine with Mark and Trez. But this is actually, I think, an example of, of when it would have been nice to have that type of player because you could have been plugging Dwight in, you know, 22 to 25 minutes a night as long as he doesn't foul out and, and kind of, you know, stopping the bleeding that way. And then, you know, depending on, I guess, who's on the roster, maybe that's when you go to Trez, uh, you know, the other half of the game, or if if maybe Dwight was there instead of Trez, then, um, you know, you're, you're kind of going smaller with the second unit. But I do think that they are seeing the, the you know, downsizing has kind of cost them in this stretch, I think, just so far as like, you know, their three biggest players are out. Mark, AD, and Trez, I mean, uh, Mark, AD, and LeBron are their three biggest rotation players. LeBron is bigger than Keefe and, and Trez. Like, look at them side by side. LeBron's bigger. And, you know, that's their starting front court. Their three best defensive players in the front court. And that's a lot to be losing. And then, of course, I mean, of course, LeBron and AD, you know, two superstars, two of the top 10, if not top five players in the league, like that alone, of course, is, is a lot. But, you know, I, I think even Mark, with just with his size, with his uh, shooting, with, with his passing, his screening, like they, they miss all that. So I think the Lakers are in a tough spot for the time being. But I'm interested to see when Mark returns, how that looks, when AD returns, what, what is the status of his timeline and then that's, you know, to say nothing about the trade deadline, which is a, what, 36 hours away from now or so, uh, depending on when you're listening to this. So um, we're, we're, I'm not going to touch on too much trade stuff because we're going to touch on that in, in the weekly episode with, with Bill and Slater. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to kind of keep it more to, you know, game specific, non-trade specific. Uh, but let's get into the open forum podcast uh, podcast part of the show. Uh, where I answer uh, your questions. Let's go through some questions here. Um, A lot of trade things. I'll I'll just kind of blanket statement this. Um, I think that the Lakers are not most likely not going to make a move. Uh, I, I do think that if they make a move, it's probably going to have to include Trez or KCP. I really just don't see, like, I, you know, from, from conversations I've had, like Wes Matthews and Markeith Morris do not have trade value, right? And their second round picks don't have much trade value either. You know, the, the two assets that they have that have the most trade value are Taylor Horton Tucker and their 2027 first round pick, which is the only pick that they can trade. I don't think the Lakers want to give up either of those two assets. I think that kind of tier two asset level is Alex Caruso, uh, probably Trez and KCP, but Alex isn't making much money. So he's more of like a throw in, but I think obviously they're going to do everything they can to not throw him in. So I, I really think if we're ranking the the Lakers assets in tiers, uh, again, well, tier one's obviously LeBron and AD, but they're not trading those guys. So like just that it's not even a factor. But tier one of realistic trade assets, it's THT and the 2027 first round pick. I think tier two is Caruso, Trez, and KCP. Uh, you know, all role, you know, high level role players in their mid to late 20s. 
uh, that that I think can plug and play in a lot of situations, right? Like Trez is better than a lot of backup bigs. And if you put him on your team, he's probably going to become your backup center. KCP can start or come off the bench. Alex can start or come off the bench. Like, you know, those three guys have value across the league. So I do think that if the Lakers end up making a move, it almost will have to include Trez or KCP. There is, of course, the clutch connection uh, with both of those guys being clutch guys um, and, and, you know, the obvious LeBron and AD tie-in and stuff. So I'm interested how the Lakers navigate that. You know, do they trade a, a clutch client? They have yet to do that. Um, and, you know, for, for people making it, there's a lot of clutch, there's a lot of just kind of attention on clutch because it's LeBron and Rich Paul and totally understand that. But, you know, th- these dynamics, like these d- dynamics are across the league where, you know, uh, there are plenty of teams that have multiple uh, players with the same agency or the same agent and there are favors done and, and, and there are dynamics that, uh, teams will not disrupt, especially when these st- like, especially if it's a star player's agent, right? Um, so I-, I think that while people tend to fixate on clutch and and they are the most well known, and of course with the Lakers, you know they, they have uh, five clients. Like these dynamics aren't uh, necessarily unique to just the Lakers. You know, I-, I think if you actually dig in across the league and, and look at uh, each team's roster and, and who the agents are. Uh, th- this is something that you'll see in certain situations where um, if there is a, whoever the star player's agent is, you know, they're most likely not going to trade a- another player on the roster if they share the same agent. So that, that's just kind of, you know, team building behind the curtain 101. So I- I'm interested in, in the KCP trust thing. And of course, you know, you- you've got to think that those guys are probably have to sign off on it to some extent if they're going to get moved. And, um, you know, that's something to consider. But I am just intrigued by what the Lakers do. If you asked me, you know, metaphorical gun to my head, I would say they don't do anything and just wait out the buyout market, most likely sign Andre Drummond or, you know, Marcus Aldridge, whoever the top buyout guy is, that guy ends up on the Lakers. But I do think, you know, depending on who is available and Frank Vogel said it before the Phoenix game, like the LeBron injury is going to potentially impact how they view the trade deadline because he's, again, going to be out three, four weeks at a minimum. And there's just such a massive, gigantic void on the perimeter. I think that has become a need for the Lakers that it wasn't necessarily before. I think their two needs before were another center and a, another 3 and D wing, preferably someone who had some size and was also a plus shooter, above league average shooter, someone who's shooting better than KCP and, and Wes and Kuz and, and Alex. That's maybe more of a pie in the sky type of need because I think just finding another 3 and D wing is really tough. Those guys don't become available often. If you look at the buyout guys, it's almost all bigs and maybe a, a point guard or two here or there. But for the most part, it's all bigs that aren't playing in their current situation or don't serve a function for their team moving forward. So I think that need is going to be tough to find. But now I think the Lakers probably need a, another perimeter shot creator, scorer, playmaker, right? Like they need one of those guys temporarily at least to kind of stop the bleeding because this is I think going to get worse before it gets better in terms of some of the issues they're facing even if they bring in a guy like Andre Drummond we've seen what he's done in Detroit and Cleveland with lottery level talent around him right like are Dennis and Trez and and Kuz that much better than some of these secondary guys Andre Drummond has had around him I personally don't think so he's kind of been the centerpiece of those types of teams so that is a dynamic that have to be figured out by the Lakers over the next 
you know, again, 36 hours or so. And then subsequently on the buyout market, a lot of trade questions. I'm, I'm going to stay away from those. Um, I'll answer this one quickly. Anakit Mohan uh, at Anakit Mohan 24. Should the Lakers be hesitant on extending Dennis till after the playoffs? I think it depends on the price. I think if you could get Dennis in the 15 to 17 million range annually, uh, w- which I don't think he will agree to, uh, you, you sign that and give him what, two years, three years, four years, however many years he wants. Anything more than 17 million, I think that's like a solid cutoff for me. Uh, I, I wait it out and I, I want to see how does he perform the rest of the season? How does he perform the rest, you know, into the postseason? How is he as the, the third or fourth guy offensively behind LeBron and AD? Uh, I, I want to see that. So personally, like I don't see the Lakers giving him the four-year 86 million uh, extension before the postseason. I, I'd be pretty surprised by that. So I think if there is a extension with Dennis, it's either going to be him taking a discount or him earning every dollar that he's going to be asking for, I think, later on. So that's my, that's my quick take on Dennis. And then last one here, I think this one's interesting. Uh, this one is from Victor Luang Lung. Uh, I apologize, I uh, butchered your name, but um, I, you know, I, I, <laughs> I do my best. Uh, four and three since the break. What's our record over the next eleven games, including the seven game road trip? Uh, seven game road trip. Four and seven. Too optimistic. Wins against the Cavs, Magic, uh, Kings, and Hornets. So I'm gonna pull up the Lakers schedule right now, and we, let's let's go uh, game by game. And I'll, I'll probably be wrong on all of these, so uh, don't hold me to this. But okay, so Philly on Thursday, I'm gonna say it's a loss. I, it's just another good team that they're playing. Uh, Philly's been rolling. They're four and one without Joel Embiid over the last five games. Uh, ben Simmons is gonna be the best player on the floor, and Tobias Harris is gonna be the second best player on the floor. So I, I think Philly's gonna come in and win that game. But of course, watch the Lakers win that game. It, it is the trade deadline day, so it could be a weird game. Uh, depending on what happens with both teams. Uh, Cleveland, it's a back-to-back, so it does make it a little bit tougher. But I'll say the Lakers beat the Cavs, and I will say they beat the Magic. Uh, so I will actually say they go 2-1 and one over the next three games. Then they, go, uh, then they play Milwaukee on Wednesday. They're going to lose that game. Uh, so 2-2 two and two over the next 11, or 2-2 two and two to start at Sacramento, uh, I, uh, I say they win that one. Okay, three and two. At Clippers, lose. At Toronto, depends if Toronto blows it up or not. If they don't, I'll say they lose. So that is, what, three and four. At Miami, lose. At Brooklyn, lose. That's three and six. At New York, oof, uh... I'll say when, uh, I don't feel great about that. Um, yeah, I'll say they win that one and then lose at Charlotte. So I'm giving them what, four, yeah, I guess four and seven. Um, I, I don't feel great about that, to be honest. I could see probably anything between like two and nine and five and six. I don't see them going above 500 in the stretch again. Philly, Milwaukee, the Clippers, the Heat, the Nets. That's like five to me guaranteed losses. Uh, so at best they're going six and five, but I think they're going to lose some of these games. So yeah, I mean, I look at it as a, a two to nine to five and six 
range over the next 11 games. Uh, the, the one thing that would change that would be Anthony Davis coming back at some point on the road trip and injecting some life and two-way play and, and dominance and kind of functioning as Anthony Davis in New Orleans, right? With, with that, you know, not a great supporting cast around him, uh, but but kind of being the, the center of both the offense and the defense. Uh, I think that's the one thing that would change my projection, but I'm projecting that AD and LeBron are missing the next 11 games. They're, they're missing through that seven game road trip. And I think, again, two and nine, uh, to five and six, somewhere in that range is my prediction. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't mean to be so doom and gloom. Uh, again, macro, big picture. I think the Lakers are fine as long as LeBron and AD are healthy. Uh, and I think they're going to make either a move at the trade deadline, uh, a smaller move, or they're going to get the best buyout guy or two and kind of bolster the, the back end and middle of the roster. Uh, so long-term, I'm still bullish on the Lakers. Short term, I think it's going to be really ugly, and they're going to lose a bunch of games over the next 10, 11 uh, or so. But yeah, I mean, it, it just it is what it is at this point. They they can't control that, and all they can do is is focus on getting AD and LeBron healthy and recovered and rested, and then back. Um, but thank you guys for listening so much. Uh, I really appreciate it. Uh, as always, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok at Jovan Buha, J O V A N B U H A. If you've not subscribed to this podcast, you can do so on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, The Athletic, wherever you're listening to it right now. And if you've not subscribed to The Athletic, we currently have a $1 a month deal for six months uh, if you subscribe uh, right now. Uh, the, the deal is ongoing through the rest of the month. So uh, if you have not subscribed and have been interested in doing so, you basically pay $6 for the next six months uh, to to check us out and uh, not just our Lakers content, but our great you know sport, not even just sports content. We, we now have culture content as well. So uh, definitely check that out. And if you do so, please subscribe off of one of my stories that gives me a uh, sub credit, which helps me out. So I uh, would really appreciate that. But again, thank you guys for listening. And I'll talk to you actually <laughs> in about 24 hours with Bill and Slater.